Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Kingdom Culture. We are living in the midst of cultural changes that most of us have never experienced. As a result, we see an ensuing chaos that some have dubbed the culture of outrage. However, as followers of Jesus, we are called to build a kingdom culture. This 12-part message series, Kingdom Culture, is focused on doing God's will to see the culture of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you to our Granby campus, to our online campus. We're glad you're here. We're also in this series called The Kingdom Culture, and we got some special guests that are going to help me this morning, so I'm going to invite Matt and Megan Deardorf to come on up. Give them a warm Valleybrook welcome. We're talking about the truth that the culture of the kingdom of God is generous. And so I've asked Matt and Megan if they'd come up and share with us today. I'm going to hand the microphone over to you. So uh, thank you for sharing. I know this is not in your comfort zone, so it just, it's a blessing to us to hear from you. So uh, first, what motivates you two to be so generous to others? I didn't mention this in the, uh, the first service, yeah. but uh, when Harrison was talking uh, on the intro, uh, how generous this church is yeah. and, and the people here and how that motivates us and encourages us to, uh, to be generous back. Yeah. Um, but uh, what motivates us also is uh, focusing our faith yeah. and how generosity can focus our faith through, uh, through the church and through the lens of God. Um, just the joy that um, being generous brings, uh, knowing that you're working for God's glory, greater purpose. Um, he continues to pour out blessings on each and every one of us. He loves us so much. He's provided everything that we could ever need. Um, and just, he doesn't withhold his goodness from us. Um, so we shouldn't withhold it from others or from him. Um, and we can be generous with our times, talents, and resources. Um, we can be selfish with them too, so it really is a daily decision to put that down and not get stuck in the busyness of life. So I, I know that uh, you know we're not we don't seek to be generous to receive something, but but how have you been blessed by being generous? Uh, lots of different ways. Uh, most of them are not tangible, yeah. as uh, like receiving a gift or anything like that. But the uh, the biggest blessing that we've seen. It's just being surrounded around a community that we want to be involved in and we want to be influenced by uh, the church and uh, uh, the people of the church and, and what they're part of. Uh, we, we also want to invest ourselves into uh, or invest our time and resources into something that, that's bigger than us, uh, that'll grow exponentially, have a bigger impact than just ourselves. Um, a big thing for us, like Matt said, is just the community of friends and family that it brings into our lives. Um, and as a mother, one of the biggest things that I've seen is that our kids oftentimes serve alongside of us. Um, and just the people that we serve alongside and just the things and lessons that it teaches them and all the people, we're very grateful for you guys that help mentor our kids and just pour into them. Thank you. Yeah. I, I've witnessed that when you guys serve, the kids come along and I, and I know that they're, they're catching the whole idea of generosity from the way you guys give so freely. So is there a scripture that informs your generosity? 
Uh, Meg and I have always been fans of the book of James. Yeah. And you talked uh, a month and a half ago on James and then last week as well. James 2 verse 17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And we like to have our, our faith uh, uh, to be complemented by our action. Um, we're constantly evaluating and reevaluating uh, our actions to make sure that they're not just checking the box and it's it, what got wanted, but it, it, it's more than that. Uh, and I like the, the word action is, is not detailed. It's very uh, open-ended, I guess, in a way that uh, there's different seasons in life uh, that our actions, we can do more in certain seasons and, and less in other seasons, all based on how uh, God needs, needs us to interact. Uh, our deeds and generosity definitely don't earn our salvation yeah. and they don't define our, our, our faith, uh, but they do, however, strengthen uh, our, our faith in Christ and strengthen our, uh, uh, our faith in who he is and what he's done for us. Yeah, that's good. So what would you want your brothers and sisters to know? You know, we've talked about this being a community and how we serve together and how it, it helps. What would you want them to know about the journey of generosity? Um, just simply put, with your time, just show up. Uh, God will handle all the details. He's provided them for me today. Um, this is not something I particularly enjoy, but uh, I needed to show up today, and he did too. Yeah. Um, with your talents and gifts, just be available to use them. He's given them to you. Um, and with your resources, just be willing again to let God use those resources and don't hold your hands too tight around them. We all have the, the same 24 hours to give uh, in a day. Uh, some of us have more time to give. Some of us have more time or resources to give. Um, I guess what it, it boils down to me is it's a serious and critical heart decision yeah. that, that we've got to reevaluate every single day, every hour of the day yeah. uh, of where our heart is and, and how we're giving. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how God can take just a simple generosity and turn it into something you never thought of or uh, give you a memory that you, you never thought you'd have. Uh, mention, or Megan, you didn't mention in the, the first question how uh, uh, we, we don't want to give God our leftovers either. Uh, we always want to put our first, first fruits forward yeah. and make the impact yeah. uh, at the beginning. Yeah. Well, well, look, I, I appreciate your generosity uh, in how you give and, and for giving your time and willingness to step out of your comfort zone and, and this, uh, come up here and share. I, I also appreciate, you know, you guys are a military family. Matt's a major in the Air National Guard. You have given your service. You continue to give your service as an individual, but as a family, and we appreciate that for you giving your time and your effort and your energy to protect our freedom. And so I wanna pray for you guys, and then we can show our appreciation for them after I pray. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, I thank you for Matt and Megan, for their generosity, for their desire to evaluate how they give generously to you and to your causes and your people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them, that you would continue to use them for your kingdom purposes. And I pray, Lord, that you would do the same with each one of us, that you would use us, that we would lean into your kingdom culture that is generous and that we would emulate you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please show your appreciation to Matt and Megan. Thank you very much.
Well, you know where I'm going. We're talking about that the kingdom culture is generous. And as I talk about this, uh, uh, talking about generosity, the thing I need to say to you, you know, uh, Valley Brook is a very giving congregation. You give freely and often, and we appreciate that and value that. But as we talk about generosity, it's a little different than giving. In fact, some people would say it's possible that knowing how to give can actually hinder us from being generous. Um, you know, I, I appreciate this definition of generosity, so let me share it with you. Generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something, money or time, than is strictly necessary or expected. Now, I'm going to be transparent with you. I, I struggle with being generous uh, for decades, I have practiced the biblical, pra the biblical principle of tithing. That's giving 10% of your income to the work of the church. Why do I do that? Because that's what the Bible teaches us. It's what's expected to do. But I struggle with generous. Now, remember the definition of being generous is giving more than is expected. So I struggle with giving more than is expected when it comes to resor financial resources, but when it comes to time and to talent, I feel like I'm a little better at being generous. For instance, uh, yesterday I went down to the street church on the st uh, steps of City Hall in Hartford and I preached. Our missionary, Brian Bywater, had hip surgery on Friday and he wasn't able to preach. And I said, listen, I, you know, I don't mind. It's, it's, I, it was my day off, but I said, listen, I'll, I'll write a sermon. I'll preach it. I would love to go and serve. You know, that was easy for me to be generous in that and to give in that way. And I'm telling you this not to pat myself on the back, but to say there's a difference between giving and being generous. And so this morning, uh, I, I hope that these personal examples help us understand the journey of generosity that I believe all Christ followers need to go on and that I know I'm going on. So uh, I want you to see how the culture of the kingdom of God is generous and why it's important for us to embrace this generous culture. And here's the first thing that I want you to understand about being generous. Generosity is a response to a generous God. Generosity is a response to a generous God. The culture of the kingdom of God is generous because God is generous. All that we have, our salvation, our life, the breath in our lungs, our passions, our talents, our gifts, our resources, our financial resources, everything that we have, ultimately, it comes from God. And God has given us far more than we deserve and far more than is necessary or expected. Now, the Bible says this truth about all of humanity, that we're all sinful. And so understand this, as sinful people who are at one time didn't believe in God, much less did we obey and follow him, the Bible tells us actually that we were enemies of God. And think this through. God gave far more than anyone would ever expect to give to one's enemies. But he did that for us. In the familiar words of the 16th verse of John chapter 3, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. God is generous. 
God gives. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies, God gave more than would be expected to us. And what did God give? God gave us his one and only son to pay for our sins. He allowed the sins of every person, the sins of the world, to be put on his son so that we could have the promise of eternal life, of salvation. The magnitude of this gift is this. It wasn't a one-time gift. It was a once and for all gift. It wasn't for one sin. It was for all of our sins, not just of one person, but of every person. It didn't just cover up the sins at one point in time. It was for every succeeding generation. Jesus generously gave himself, taking upon himself the punishment that we all deserve. That is generosity. Far more expected he gave to all of us. So what would a generous response look like to God from us? How can we be generous in return? Well, why don't we turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. And in this, we're going to see that Paul writes about the Christians in the Macedonian churches who wanted to be generous. And this is what he writes. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So what did they do? They heard about the need of the Christians in Jerusalem and they gave. They actually asked to be able to give. Out of their poverty, it says, they gave more than was expected. They gave beyond their ability to give. Paul says, they exceeded our expectations. By definition, that is generosity. But Paul goes on and he explains that their generosity, what it originated from, and it says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. You see, the Macedonian Christians' generosity was a response of generosity to a generous God. And they understood how much God had given them, and so they wanted to give themselves first to God, to lean into them, to believe in God, and to follow God, and then give themselves to the needs of others. They're brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. You know, it's one thing to say you believe in Jesus, but it's another thing to actually live it out. And that's what they did. When you believe in Jesus, you give yourself to the Lord first and foremost, before anything else, before your spouse, before your children, before your family, before your friends, before your work, before your political beliefs. You give yourself first to God and you live believing in him and following his word. You respond with open generosity to the one who showed you what generosity is. 
So we see in the Macedonian Christians a response of generosity to the generosity of God. Being generous is our response to the God who has given us everything that we have and far more than we ever expected. Now, this helps us grasp the generosity that God wants to happen in the kingdom of God. But not only is the generosity of the culture of the kingdom something that blesses God, uh, there are blessings also for us when we embrace that culture. And let me share what I mean. Here's the first thing I want to tell you about being generous. Generosity makes you happier. That's right. It makes you happier. Jesus said these words. It's one of the most famous lines that is recorded of Jesus. You find it in the book of Acts chapter 20. And he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, people tend to interpret this verse by saying that Jesus is telling us that when you give, it's going to make you feel good. But, but if we're honest with ourselves, yes, we can admit that we feel good when we give, but we also feel good when we receive. Uh, but Jesus says, you will be blessed when you give. Now, he's not saying you will get more material blessings when you give. He, he's not saying anything like that at all, but there is a meaning that's hidden in the word blessed. If you go back to the original language, to the Greek language, the, the word that we translate blessed can also mean quite literally happy. In other words, he's saying that the person who builds their life around being generous will be happy. In fact, they'll be happier. Sometimes it's easier to illustrate this by showing you the opposite of this truth that I just spoke about. So I want to share with you a parable that Jesus told. He said, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns that I have and build bigger ones where I'll store the surplus of my grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This guy with all of this grain, with all of this wealth in that day and age, he wasn't happy. God had provided him so much that he still wanted more. He wasn't happy and he wasn't rich toward God. He wasn't trusting in God. He wanted it all and instead of being generous with his abundance... And letting God use it, he was greedy. Now, Jesus says that we need to be rich toward God. What does that mean? Well, one scholar writes it means to be rich in our relationship with God. How do we be rich in our relationship with God? That means we pray, we talk to God through prayer. That means we study God's word. We, we let him speak to us through it. That means we are obedient to his word. We practice his word. That means that we embrace the kingdom culture that he has given to all of us. You see, when you're rich toward God, 
you'll trust God. You, you'll lean into that relationship, even though it's countercultural to the culture of the world. We'll lean into that relationship and embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. And when we do that, when we embrace that generosity of the kingdom, it will bring happiness. It'll even bring peace. And when we lean into that relationship with God, we're embracing the values of God, the, the culture of the kingdom. Among all of those values is the idea of generosity. Now, it is interesting. When you read this passage in Luke's gospel, Jesus immediately follows up that parable with a teaching on worry. He says, don't worry. He said, trust God. In other words, he's saying the opposite of being rich toward God is worrying about having enough. In the midst of God's enormous provisions, this guy with the barns, he was still worrying if he had enough. He had embraced greed instead of generosity. He had embraced the culture of the world instead of the culture of the kingdom. Now, in another story, uh, in the early days of the church, we actually find a real-life incident that, that greed about greed that taught everyone about the need to be truly generous. Uh, we read this about the early church in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So that's the context of what was happening in the first century church. But then in the next chapter, chapter 5 of the book of Acts, we read these words. Now there was a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also they sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So this couple saw all the others getting praise for their generosity, and they wanted some praise too. But they also wanted the proceeds from the sale of their property. Uh, they wanted to sell it, but they, they wanted to give some of it, but they also wanted to keep some of it. They weren't being honest. They lied about how much they gave. Now, what happens to the couple may be both confusing and disturbing to, to some of you because... When they are confronted about lying, God reveals it to the apostles that they've lied about how much they've given. Ananias and Sapphira both drop dead. Ken Cagle writes this. He said, you know, this couple wanted a claim without sacrifice. They wanted comfort without commitment. What appeared to be public generosity was actually a family conspiracy. Now, thinking about the parable Jesus told and about this, both the man with the barns and Ananias and Sapphira were worried about their personal needs. Do I have enough? They were worried about their needs instead of trusting God to provide for them. And because they were worried, they couldn't be generous. Now, now gratefully, God doesn't do what he did to Ananias and Sapphira to us when we aren't generous, when we aren't honest to God. But in these examples, 
In these people's lack of faith, we see that that was keeping them from being happy. It was keeping them from being generous, and it ultimately cost them everything. And that should cause us to take notice and embrace the happiness that comes from being generous. So generosity gives us happiness. But generosity also gives us another blessing. Let's talk about that. Generosity frees us from the culture of consumerism. That's right. The culture of the world that we live in is a culture of consumerism. You know, very easily, we're in the midst of that big holiday season that our culture of consumerism celebrates. If you haven't noticed, the Black Friday sales have already started. Everybody wants to sell this and wants you to buy this because it's going to make you happy and you've got to buy it as you prepare for the holiday season. It's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year blitz, this culture of consumerism, and it is really on fire right now. Let me show you how this crazy culture of consumerism affects us. Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley, actually calls this the great American insanity cycle. And so we're going to put this example on the screen. So this is what I want you to know. When it comes to how people feel about money, uh, there's one word that comes up more than others. It's worry. They're worried that they won't have enough to pay their bills. They're worried that they won't have enough for college. They worry about will they have enough. So in response to worry, they want to know will they have enough. And then you know what people normally do? They go out and spend more than they can afford. Spending more than you can afford, what does that do? It leads you to debt. And debt is dumb because think this through. When you buy something on credit, when you buy something on debt, you're actually paying more for it than it's actually worth. And so the cycle of debt is crazy. And debt leads to this. It leads to us not having any financial margin. And having no financial margin, what does that lead us back? It leads us back to worry. So what do we do? We worry about future consumption. And we spend more than comes in, and we have more debt, and we have no margin, and then we worry, and then the cycle goes around and around and around. We worry about future consumption. So as I said, what do we do? We consume more than we can afford. And when we consume more than we can afford, that's consumer debt. And what does consumer debt leads to? It leads to no margin for future consumption. We think this way when it comes to money. We think if it comes to me, it belongs to me, I should spend it on me. But here's the deal. This is not a money issue, okay? Spending money is not a money issue. It is a self-control issue. And uh, debt is not a money issue. It's a contentment issue. And having no margin, again, is not a money issue. It's a discipline issue. And when it comes to worry... Worry is a spiritual issue. So this is this crazy cycle of consumerism that our culture is built on, and we need to break free from that crazy culture, and we need to lean into the culture of the kingdom of God. Andy Stanley defines generosity this way. This is what he says. He says, generosity 
is the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. And he goes on to say this, when you become generous, you give more, you save more, and you consume less. So let me unpack that definition. Generosity is premeditated. That means you've decided beforehand how much you're going to give. Now, if you think things through, that means you planned it. Uh, every year, we teach this class called Financial Peace uh, University, FPU, we call it for short. And FPU is a course that teaches you how to manage money according to Christian principles. Years ago, when I took this class, the first thing that I learned was we need to decide how we're going to spend our money instead of letting our money dictate how we use it. So that's premeditated. That's planning. This definition also says it's calculated. In other words, it means you've decided how much to be generous with. This definition also says that it's designated. That means you've decided where you want it to go. And finally, this definition says that generosity is the emancipation of your personal financial assets. You are freeing it up to be used in the kingdom of God. That's powerful. Now, if you're wondering if this has any type of uh, biblical bearing, it does. We go back to 2 Corinthians. We go to chapter 9, and this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should decide what, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The Apostle Paul is saying that if you're going to be generous, you need to decide ahead of time. You need to decide how much and to whom, and then you need to give it freely and cheerfully. Deciding to be generous blesses you abundantly, and it frees you from the culture of consumerism that puts us in a crazy downward spiral and creates stress and anxiety and worries in our lives. You know, here's the big picture. I want us all to understand that the culture of the kingdom of God is generous. When we struggle with this because we live in the culture of this world that tells us that we need to decide what we need to make our lives better. We need to buy this. We need to have this to make our lives better. We need to go out and buy and spend and go into debt. Why? Because that's the way of the culture. But that's not what God says. He says to be happy, we need to follow him. We need to lean into his culture. We need to lean into the culture of the kingdom of God. And it's generous but it's not a culture of debt. It's not a culture of crazy consumerism. When we do this, we'll be liberated from the craziness of the culture and we'll experience the happiness and peace that comes from living in the culture that God has called us to live in. So I'm gonna pray for every single one of us that we would lean into this kingdom culture that is generous and that we will understand how generous God has been to us and that we'll respond to that generosity with our own generosity. So if you would bow your heads, let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have called us to you.
to be a part of your kingdom. You've called us to, to let go of the way of the world and its culture and to focus on you. And so, Lord, we want to do that today. Even with this idea of generosity that's part of your kingdom, we want to let go of the crazy culture of consumerism that is all around us. And we want to find peace and happiness in the generosity that you have bestowed on us and that you call us to. So, Father, help us do whatever it takes to become generous like you are and give ourselves first to you and then to your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say one more thing about generosity. You know, if you struggle with this, if you're struggling with your financial life, look, there's no shame, all right? There's no need to be embarrassed. But I need to tell you that there are ways that you can learn to live within your means and your margin and to be generous. Every January, we teach that class, Financial Peace University, and we'll be teaching it again this year. It's all going to be virtual, so you can participate in it from your home. We want to encourage you to unashamedly sign up for that. You can go to our website, uh, valleybrook.cc forward slash FPU, and you can learn more about Financial Peace University today, and you can make plans to take that class in January. So we want to encourage you to do that. We're going to close with a, a final song that uh, is a classic hymn that reminds us that everything that we have has been given to us by God and we need to use it for his kingdom. So please stand as we sing, I Surrender All. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc. 